This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Life is a matter of choices, and every choice you make makes you. John C. Maxwell. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. I have an exciting announcement today. Are you guys ready for it? Are you ready for it? Drum roll, please. That was the worst drum roll. I love it. There is hope for you in recovery. That is what today's Monday Mindset Minute is all about, that there's hope that you can recover. How do I know that? Who am I? Well, honestly, I'm really nobody. I'm just a human with flaws just like you. I had pain and trauma, some from my own choices, some out of my control. I started questioning everything about life as a teen. I was immature, sensitive, and naive. And honestly, for those of you that know my story, then you know that a lot of my issues started as a teen. I was immature, I was sensitive, and naive. I'll say that again. And I had no business at the age of 14 being in a romantic relationship. I was too young to know how to handle it. I really thought that love would last forever. I thought that my teenage boyfriend would never leave me or lie to me, and that all of the things that came out of his mouth were the truth. Now, wouldn't that have been nice? Gosh, to have lived a life where I was protected and nurtured so much so that I was given a choice to be with a boy like that. Whew, a guy like that, I should say. But... You know what? I wasn't. My differences were overlooked. My delayed understanding of morality and emotional control went unnoticed, and the consequences of this were dire. How many of you can relate to that? I'm going to say that again. My delayed understanding of morality and emotional control went unnoticed, and the consequences of this were dire. So let's start with that first part. My delayed understanding of morality. So what I'm trying to say here is that I, as a child, was born with this intense temperament and I seek comfort as my number one need. You know, many people do this. I think um, because I'm ha- I have this podcast, I'm going to talk about it in such a way that I, that was abnormal, right? Or outside, let's say like uh, outside the bell curve. Okay. And so... Because of that, I didn't connect, understand why doing things the right way was a good idea. So I got taught that at school. Wasn't modeled that so much at home consistently, but I think a lot of people can say that. You know, and I think that, unfortunately, 
I couldn't comprehend. I, I, I prioritize, excuse me, even as a young child, comfort over doing the right thing the right way and that kind of praise. And maybe that was also rewarded. But I definitely had a delayed understanding of morality. I remember thinking when everyone would be doing their homework and we would be in class and people would be taking notes about what the teacher was writing and I would be drawing pictures and I would look at them and I would think, gosh, are they really all into this? Are they really all paying attention even as in elementary school? Right. And it's like, OK, well, of course they were paying attention. Well, obviously there was something wrong with the way that I perceived the world back then. If my thought of what I was supposed to do in class was to draw and I did well in school, which made it worse because this was reinforced. Right. If, you know, I was able to pass my tests, I did very well in school as and in fact. And so that made it like in my mind, well, I, you know, I can just kind of <laughs> draw pictures of I would draw pictures of Christmas trees like over and over again like it's kind of odd if you were to look through my notebooks but again all of that you know was overlooked it, it never really I guess stood out enough or maybe I hit it I'm not sure but I definitely couldn't connect why they would be doing that why getting a good grade was a good idea how that connects to character how that translates to the rest of your life how you can get praise for that why society praises that I thought that I should just have to be comfortable that that was that's what I needed and so really that's that's a delay a developmental delay that I had an emotional control went unnoticed as well. You know, I mean, I got to the place in high school where I had, you know, really, I had intense emotions. And I remember I always did gravitate towards like younger shows, even in eighth grade, but then I'm given this opportunity to really grow up and I'm already immature. So I've, you know, in romantic relationships with guys in high school and I was kind of all over the place emotionally. I didn't know how to control my emotions. I thought I should make choices based on those emotions. So again, not a very high emotional EQ, but yet I was doing really well academically. So it went unnoticed. And the consequences of that were dire. So I'm wondering, how did that come about for you? How did you miss some of these key concepts of morality like why you would choose honesty versus lying. Well, if my sole purposes in life or some of them are, are to achieve significance and comfort and um, certainty, well, then lying would be the option because I would want those that comfort over doing the right thing the right way. That can be very uncomfortable. Morality can be very off-putting. You know, I have people that will tell me like, that they don't want to be a rule follower. They don't want to follow the rules. And I mean, I used to say the same things and now I, I take issue with that because I think, gosh, like the rules protect people. When people don't follow the rules and it involves my, ch my child, I certainly get upset. You know, if your child's teacher called you because your child was whacking his, one of his classmates over the head with a ruler or something, you wouldn't tell the teacher, oh, you know... <laughs> He's just free spirited. He's he doesn't I don't want him becoming a rule follower like that just wouldn't be acceptable because your child has hurt another child not following the rules, not sitting in his seat, that kind of thing. And I know that's an example. It's kind of an oversimplified example, but you kind of get my point. Right. So, you know, that was also really important. You know, so it's a, if you can if this resonates with you where you're you have a delayed understanding of morality why part of you even when listening to this you can't really understand what the big deal is 
of saying you went to McDonald's when you went to Burger King or cheating on a game if it's just a fun time. Like if you can't understand that, then you know that's something that we really want to dig into. Be honest about. Bring that to coaching. You know, Jay and I would love to help you with that. Bring that to your current therapist. They would. They can help you with that. And if they can't, you know, you definitely want to find someone who is an expert in the thing that you're trying to achieve, so you can pattern their behavior. And then also emotional control. You know, that's something that, again, as a as a teenager, you know, I I definitely don't think tantrums every day literally every single day and back and forth and constant battles is you know I think that there's something broken there and there needs to be a pivot and a, and a shift to you know new results and and maybe uh different you know different patterns of behavior because that's kind of odd and that's you know, what I wanted to express to you is that you know, there's hope because even with all of this being said you know I was able to grow and so Honestly, you know, we can go back to that story I was telling about being um, in high school and dating and see how did that shape how I, I, I ended up and how did I come to be in part, you know, where I am now and why does that, why should that give you hope? Because that's a big deal, right? That you have hope. I don't want you thinking that you can't recover from borderline personality disorder. It is such a, or anything, you know, if you're listening and you, you're questioning whether or not you have it and it's, you know, it's. If, if what I'm saying resonates with you, it can be applicable to depression, anxiety, to a lot of other issues that you're battling with your life. Because really the bottom line is recognizing that, you know, there's something that's being left on the table, something you're doing that doesn't align or mesh up with what you believe in, your principles, your morals, and that you're having a hard time controlling your emotions that you have around that. So there's some dissonance there and the choices that you're making aren't in line with who you are, who you were created to be. And that can really apply to anyone. So I just want to put that out there. But, you know, for me, embarking on the journey of dating as a junior in high school should have been a normal experience because everyone was dating at the time, at least in my area of the world on the East Coast. And, you know, you think about pop culture ideology. If everyone else is doing it, why can't I? Well, I was a little girl trapped in a teen's body given way too much freedom with a lot of impulses. And by the time I learned that this guy's boy is essentially boy, right? Because I'm, I'm pretty old at this point. But it's, it was too late. Suicide became my only option at that point. I didn't have a spiritual connection. I did go to a, a Catholic school, but I was... You know, I had a delayed understanding of morality, so I couldn't understand the concept of God or why Catholics would do what they do. I, you know, we, anyway, that's a whole other conversation for another time. But, um, so I just, you know, there were a lot of things that I didn't understand. And so suicide became my option. I didn't understand love or loss or emotion or connection or how to handle guilt and shame. That was a big one. I definitely didn't know what to do with the shame I felt that someone would lie to me, you know, how to grieve, you know, nor did I really know how to ask for help. I mean, my father and mother tried to help me. My dad did, get, you know, hold me in his arms after the breakup. He tried to comfort me because I was, like, hysterical. Uh, my mom tried to comfort me in her own way. It just, it felt foreign and weird, that comfort, because I was disconnected. And I didn't have, you know, I mean, I, again, prioritizing comfort. You really don't listen to lessons that people give you. 
You know, you're just really looking to, you're seeking to be right, to be comfortable again, to be significant, you know, and you really don't want to put in the effort to be different because any effort would equate to discomfort, right? So change was uncomfortable and I didn't like discomfort. So even him trying to console me, it's almost like I didn't want that. And I wanted that pain instead, even as a kid, you know, I couldn't have told you that consciously, you know, but that's part of it. Right. That's part of why it's very difficult to recover is that, you know, there is this level of of um, delay, developmental delay I, that I believe, you know, this is my theory, but I believe it accompanies it. And it really is from my experience and my experience with clients. But, you know, that incident. I mean, that that day, everything I thought about the world changed. That incident became my identity. There was no reason to live in my mind if people would just lie to me and leave me. So all of the choices I had made from that moment forward were, you know, really based on seeking significance, like I said, certainty and comfort. And I wanted to, I never wanted to experience that ever again. I never wanted to experience that kind of breakup again, that kind of loss. If it's from your parents leaving you or not knowing where they are or being adopted or fostered or having someone hurt you. Um, in some way and, and and when you're a child I mean I'm sure you never wanted to experience that again right and maybe you've chose a marginalized identity like I have maybe you decided that you were the black sheep because you were different and you know everything else you know that you did you just wanted to do the opposite of what anyone else was doing maybe that's true for you I know it was true for me. I made choices based on how I felt. My emotions took me on a roller coaster. So after saying all of that, why would I tell you that there's hope? Why did I start the podcast like this? You're probably thinking, this is really dismal. Well, because I just want you to say, to know that one day I woke up and I decided that that identity no longer served me. And it just wasn't as simple as being like, okay, this doesn't serve me. I no longer act that way. Like some people, you know, get, I get concerned. I don't want people to think I'm saying that. What I am saying though, is you have to make that decision first, right? Remember that quote in the beginning of this episode? I'm going to read it again. Life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you. So think about that. Is life a matter of choices? Do you have control over your life? You really can't say no, right? Because you woke up this morning and you're listening to me right now. So of course you chose this. Unless someone took your hand and pushed the button for you, which would be kind of silly. Maybe they did. I would love to hear that story though. Um, okay, so you know, my point is, is life is made up of choices. So if you choose, like this identity no longer serves me, well then then you get to figure out in what areas were you delayed? What do you need help with? I just told you my delays. I'm you know, really trying to be vulnerable here and, and let you know that I had a hard time with big, big picture thinking, that I did not understand things that other kids understood and that I did things to be cool. I had started dating to be cool, but I really didn't have like a really big connection with that either. And then when I did fall in love, my version of love was that of like, Laura Ingalls Wilder on Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> and, you know, I was, that wasn't realistic. And so what about you? What if you decide today? You decide right now, you know what? I don't want this identity anymore. I don't want to be marginalized. What do you do? Well, you can have hope. 
that if you're willing to open your mind and make that decision, every decision after that, once you take acting out off the table and emotional chaos off the table, every decision after that is the discovery to figure out what you can do so that you can choose to live in accordance with your personal beliefs and to start exposing yourself to discomfort. But it does start with a choice. And yes, you do have control over your choices. So this week, I would want you to think about two things. I want you to consider what choice, what big ultimate choice you need to make to get you to where you need to be. And not to say that you can't because your emotions overtake you. Even if your emotions overtake you, there are times where they're not overtaking you. And that you can make different choices because different choices produce different results. And those choices could get you to a life worth living. To living a life where you don't feel trapped or suffocated by your emotions. I just want you to have hope in that, that you always have a choice. And the other thing that I want you to have hope in is that if you decide, if you make that choice, then the decisions that come after that are going to be decisions of discovery. I had somebody say, use the um, example of saying that she's unearthing who she was, who she was created to be, who her pure self. She's always been there. She doesn't have to give up all of her personality, but she's unearthing her. And I really like that because that is, it's a good way to thinking, think about it, that you're, you know, you've buried who you truly are because you were scared that you would have to relive that trauma pain again. And then you decided that you're going to live your life in comfort, seeking significance and certainty and prioritizing them over relationships and, and over other things. And then you can make changes, real changes. I mean, the power that comes in knowing what you lack and then learning how to get it. I mean, it really far outweighs that pain because the pain is temporary and you can learn. I'm always amazed at the way that I think of things now versus the way that I thought of things before. And that's why I started this podcast to begin with. The middle of the journey and definitely not the beginning. They were not simple. They were very difficult. However, I was able to hold on to this idea that there's a freedom in the choices that you make. And if you keep making choices that foster recovery, you can do it. And, you know, another thing that you can do as a tip for this week is you can start exposing yourself to discomfort. If you're afraid to be uncomfortable, you have to learn to be uncomfortable. I never understood this, this, um, what they did to us when I was in eating disorder treatment until I learned about this idea of exposing yourself to discomfort in a bigger way. I couldn't connect to this, but they would have us sit in front of our like dessert foods, like donuts and brownies. And we would just sit there in front of this dessert. I think about it now it's kind of silly, but what they were doing is we had, you know, binge eating issues and were addicted to like sugary carb foods and would binge on those things and so they would put them in front of us and then we couldn't eat them we just had to talk about how it made us feel right and even in this moment there's a little bit of like twang in my voice because I remember it in such a negative way but I promise you that was a good idea why because they were exposing me to discomfort you know they were exposing me to that and thank goodness for that the more discomfort I'm exposed to, the less I'll pri prioritize comfort because I'll trust myself. I'll know that I can do things, hard things. What if that you could control the level of discomfort you expose yourself to? Wouldn't that be better than just allowing the world to take you on a ride of discomfort? Because it will. Discomfort is a part of our everyday. 
every day we're going to experience that. So next time you're going to, you know, get some food out, get a water instead of a, a Coke and, you know, be silly with yourself. When you get bummed or disappointed, it doesn't taste as good. It doesn't taste the same. Water is so bad, all of those things. You know, pretend the water is a soda. Tell yourself you can tolerate that level of discomfort. It sounds silly, but it's not. If you don't like discomfort and you can control that variable and you can start exposing yourself to it, you will learn that you can tolerate way more than you, you know which will translate into so many things in recovery for you. So see if you can, you know, and, and do those two things over this next week and just know that there is absolutely hope. So when you find those moments where there's a lot of darkness, I just want you to anchor yourself in the fact that we were created with free will. We have choices and that you're not alone. There is hope and you can get better. You just have to keep plugging away at it and start exposing yourself to discomfort. All right, everybody, until next week, look for forward to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Are you tired of feeling frustrated, resentful, or disconnected from your family, friends, and partner? Thrive. Mind Body LLC Mindset Coaching and Counseling can help you. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Again, that's thriveonlinecounseling.com.